this morning we expect, we come expectant because we need you this morning. And so my prayer for us is that we would exchange our worry, our anxiety in this season for a peace that surpasses all understanding of the heavy burdens that we brought with us, the busyness, the hurriedness. Uh, Lord, we lay that at your feet this morning. And so journey with us this morning, God, by the power of your spirit. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you. Hey, good morning. My name is Matt Davis. I'm one of the pastors here. I was just thinking as Matt and Eric were sharing, uh, our, our call really as the church is, I was just thinking about this, is conduits, not buckets. Conduits, not buckets. We are here to see God move in amazing ways, and we are called to be conduits. We don't want the blessings of God to just stop and end with us, that we need to see God on the move. So that's what you are. We are here as the church, not just to take this and let it sit in us and not go out anywhere, but this is our call, friends, that we need to go out and let the Spirit of God be moving in us and through us so that we can go and see blessing in the world. Um, so this morning, as you saw Eric's house, uh, we are talking this morning about peace. Um, I don't know, Eric, if you're going to change that every week on your roof or next week. It's joy. It's only three letters. It'll be a little easier, but... Um, We'll see how that goes. Just go check his house out and you'll see. Deal. He said deal. Perfect. So we're going to hold him to that. Uh, last week, we got to hear about the ancestry of Jesus. Remember Dave, last week, he talked about the hopelessness of the genealogy from Matthew 1, that, that Jesus came, his ancestors, his forefathers, those who came before him did not have a perfect family tree. And we got to hear uh, a little bit about John Sherman's family tree. Do you remember that? If you didn't hear it, um, I don't know if you know this, but John Sherman has done some pretty amazing research into his family history. He's actually related to Wilt Chamberlain. Did you know that? He is. Wilt Chamberlain is the seventh great aunt's eighth great nephew's eighth night of Hanukkah. All right, perfect, great. So if you're here for the first time, you might not know this, but everyone else does. It's pretty obvious that I am a Jew, um, and I also love Jesus. This is a picture of my, my mom and myself. Matt was born in Doctor's Hospital in Lakewood, California, uh, arrived 8.43 in the morning, weighing eight pounds, two ounces, and I was named after Mo Silverman, his dad's maternal grandfather. And if you don't believe me, this is part of my ancestry right here. Look at that. That's my great uncle Saul, right? And then you go back, and this is my great, great grandfather. His name is Shalom Kanarovich. Right? Like, we look Jewish. You can't take that away from me. 
I did Ancestry.com, 93% Jewish. And it says the other 7%, it's Greek and Italian, and they were Jews too. All right? So <laughs> I say this and set that up because we need to understand that Jesus was a Jew, that he was the Jewish Messiah. And I want to spend some time in Luke chapter 2. So if you can pull the Bibles out, we're going to look at this. Luke chapter 2 and verse 21. I, I just want to outline this, that for us to take away the Jewishness of Jesus, this Jewish Messiah, God become flesh, shows up here on earth as a baby. And I want you to understand that Mary and Joseph were pious observant Jews. And even in this passage right here, Luke chapter 2, verse 21, we see three very Jewish distinctive things. It says, and when eight days had passed before his circumcision, Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day, just like it was commanded in the Torah. It says his name was then called Yeshua, Jesus, meaning salvation. Even the idea of the naming, this is part of the Israeli, the Jewish culture at the time, to give a name, to pronounce a name. This was the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem for the presentation, to present him to the Lord. This is his dedication. You can go back to Leviticus and you can see there's a period of 40 days Mary, Mary would have to wait till she was ritually clean, that she was ritually pure. She could not come to the temple before 40 days. So this is 40 days after Jesus' birth, and they come and they present him in the temple. And what takes place there is unbelievable because they meet somebody who's been waiting for him for a long, long time. This morning, in our series as we're going through, giving up on Christmas, one thing we want to talk about today is giving up on worry, giving up on anxiety. And today I want to exchange that, and I want to put the offer out that God wants to give us peace in His ways. Now, peace is something that the human soul longs for. We long for it. In Galatians chapter 4, the timing that Jesus showed up on earth was all part of God's plan. Galatians 4, when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. That's why they're keeping all of these laws, so that he might redeem those who were under the law that he might receive, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Now, this is... Not only our longing, this is an Old Testament longing. And I want you to hear this because it, it lays it out here in Isaiah. Look, Isaiah chapter 9, 700 years before Jesus is ever on the scene, Isaiah prophesies these words concerning talking about Jesus. And he says, but there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt. But later on, he shall make it glorious by way of the sea on the other side of the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. If you look at Zebulun and Naphtali, this is in the northern region. Start at Capernaum at the north side of the Sea of Galilee and go up. And that's where these tribes were. But they were ransacked by the Assyrians. They were always the first ones to get hit when 
when the battles came from the north, they would get hit and they would be taken away. So Isaiah is saying, fear not. I know that there's gloom for you right now, but check this out. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. And if you keep going in Isaiah chapter 9 and you go to verse 6, it says, For unto us a child will be born. A son will be given, wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father, Sar Shalom, prince of peace. And on his shoulders, the government will rest. There will be no increase to his, no end to the increase of his government, no end to the increase of peace. This was the longing of the Old Testament saints, that that light would come and he would bring peace. The prince of peace would bring peace. Now, fast forward 700 years, and we have a war-wearied Israel living under Roman rule. There's a king at the time, and his name is Herod. And Herod learns that Jesus, who is called by the Magi, the king of the Jews. Well, Herod was a little bit of a maniac. He was a little bit of a crazy man. And when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, because they had been warned and they took another way out, he became very enraged and he sent and he slew the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity. From two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi, and then what had been spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. And this is, this is what Jeremiah was looking towards. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children. And she refused to be comforted because they were no more. At the time that Jesus showed up, when the fullness of time came, Jesus came to this earth. And there was a war-wearied people living under Roman rule, waiting and longing for their Messiah. And I would argue for us today that we have a longing. That you and I, though we are not under Roman rule, though the Assyrians have not come and ransacked Southern California, that you and I have our own level of worry. We have our own longing for peace. When I got this topic and I was starting to think about it, I thought, worry, anxiety, uh, this might be good for some people, but I just don't connect, I don't relate. There are some of you in here today that you know that you have anxiety. You've been diagnosed with general anxiety disorder. You might even take medication and prescriptions for it. You might wake up in the middle of the night with a panic attack, or it just might be this quiet hum that's in your life that is just always there. There's always just a level of noise that's existing for you, and you can't shake it. And I also want to say that there are some of you who are just like me, that you struggle with worry and anxiety and you don't even know it. You don't have a diagnosis. You don't wake up in a sweat in the middle of the night. You don't have that constant buzz, but it just comes out and it works its way out in other ways. And as I was processing this with Marilee, and Marilee knows and I know that like, this is something that she has struggled with. Marilee takes medication to help kind of still the noise and we've prayed through this and we've worked through this but I said do I do I have this and she said you know when you kind of get grumpy and really controlling 
when things don't go your way, Matt, you worry, you have anxiety. I said, moi, me? Sweet little me? But I do. And I might not take medication, but I can medicate myself with food. I can medicate myself with busyness. And I think that we do ourselves a disservice, number one, by just not acknowledging it. Maybe we just need to stop and name it and say, you know what, this is something that I struggle with. And especially in this season, you're spending more money than you want to, you're busier than you want to, and I think there's a difference between being busy and hurried. I like to be busy, but I hate being hurried, and I feel hurried in this season, and so it's just kind of wrecking me, right? And we just long for the holidays, but we really long for them to be over so we can, <gasps> right? And then we don't really help each other because we've made this an issue of faith. If you just had faith, if you just prayed more, then maybe you wouldn't worry as much and you wouldn't be so anxious. And so how we treat one another in this season is not very helpful. You might actually relate to something like this. Check this out. I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No. No, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes. Yes, that's it. All right. Well, uh, let's go, Kasman. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, if, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, we find most people can, uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, here, you're there. Stop it! <laughs> I'm sorry? Stop it! Stop it? Yes, S-T-O-P, new word. IT. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. <laughs> stop it. So, I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, 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 you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that... Sounds straight. Yes. Then stop it. I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since no, childhood. No, no, no. No, we, 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 we don't go there. Just, just stop. So I should just stop being afraid of being buried alive in a box. You got it. Good go. Well, it's only been, it's only been three minutes, so that will be um, uh, three dollars. Some of you, that's like a very real anxiety of like, you, it, it, and you know it's irrational, like you wish you could stop it, 
but you can't. And I even just want to speak to those of you who maybe don't deal with the worry and the anxiety, but you live with people who do. You are surrounded by people who do, and I, I get it. Like, I've sat in that sometimes, and I'm just thinking to myself, just why can't they just stop it, right? But we need to have our hearts be breaking for and to have a compassion on those who struggle. Look, we've, we've had cards come in and pray for some, and like overwhelmingly, it's not just Calvary Church, it's our, it's our city, it's our county, it's our state, it's our nation. Anxiety is the number one biggest thing. It's the most diagnosed, it's the most medicated, it's the biggest thing that we struggle with. And so it's a very real, real thing. And so I just wanna invite you into that process of acknowledging and for those of you who are living with people there in that place that that you would just have your heart pour out in compassion that peace would reign in your homes and your families and your hearts and your lives and really just sit with this idea of where is that anxiety where is that worry coming from and we have a, at 11 o'clock, we'll have a teaching pastor connection. Um, we're just going to be hanging out in the back of the auditorium here in the, in the back section there. Uh, at 11 o'clock, we're going to just kind of delve into this a little bit more. And I've asked one of our Calvary members, Dr. Annie Ganahl, and she's writing a, a book right now on anxiety, and she's a doctor in psychology. And so we're going to sit with it, and she's going to share some of her own story. And so I, I hope that the seats are packed and that you guys would come back and just sit with some of that so that we can work through that and bring God into it. And so that's what I really want to do right now. I want you to understand that Jesus wants to, and he came to be our peace. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Let's really dig into this passage. It says this, And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man, listen to his credentials here. He was righteous. And devout, and then here is the main theme this morning. He was looking for the consolation of Israel. He was righteous, devout, and looking, looking, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Messiah, the Lord's Christ. And he came into, in the spirit, into the temple. So the spirit of God, even before Acts chapter 2, spirit of God is leading old man Simeon to the temple. And when the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, they are there to follow Jewish law then he took him. Simeon, the old man, takes baby Jesus into his arms, blessed God, and he said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace. He's saying, Finally, I can die. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Jesus' name means salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. We have 
two saints. This is the first one. His name is Simeon, and he is looking for the consolation of Israel. You've heard the word consolation, but maybe in terms of the consolation prize. The consolation prize is the one you get when you don't get first place. It's the one that you get when you've lost, but you want to feel better, or they want you to feel better, so they just, here's the consolation prize. I want you to understand that Jesus is no consolation, but it doesn't mean that we've lost. It means that we've won entirely, but I bet you to those who followed the life and the ministry of Jesus, who expected him to uproot Rome, to throw Rome out, thought that they had lost, but truly they had won. And that's the end of the story there. And Isaiah keeps giving us these clues. In Isaiah 40, he says, comfort. Oh, comfort, console my people, says the Lord. Speak kindly to Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare has ended that her iniquity has been removed. Rembrandt, in the 17th century, he has many versions, but he was taken in with this scene. And this is the picture that he put together. And it's interesting, as you look at some of this, I encourage you to like, look online and like zoom in and get really big, but he's obsessed with Simeon. All of the other faces are kind of turned, the backs are turned, but he wants to zoom in and he's looking at the face of Simeon as he's holding up baby Jesus. We also see Mary there. You also see Joseph and Joseph is holding two doves and that was their offering. They were poor, right? If you had more money, you would give like goats or sheep or something like that, but they were poor. So the law provided that they would be able to bring in their doves. But he is looking at this moment, and he's looking at Simeon. Simeon was the one who was looking to the one who was going to bring peace. Now, we grew up in our, in our family, in our home, with a friend. His name is Don Winton. Don Winton was a sculptor. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Um, he sculpted this. And uh, on the bottom of this, uh, it says uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 25. And this is a picture. It's a beautiful picture of Simeon holding up. Jesus. Don Winton is also the one who sculpted the Emmy or the Country Music Award or lots of things for Disney. Um, but he was taken in with this scene. And so we have a friend who uh, has had this on their mantle and let me borrow it for this morning. But I, I'm struck with and I want to take in what was this? I mean, this is, this is the picture of Simeon looking for the one, the light of the world who would bring peace to the world. So I want to just encourage, what is it that our faces are saying? What is it that you and I are looking for? Feel free afterwards, you can come by and take a look at that. Not only is there Simeon, but then there's another character, and her name is Anna. And Anna, in verse 36, she's a prophetess. Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher, she was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then as a widow to the age of 84. So two Old Testament saints, the very best, representing what the Old Testament had longed for and hoped for, now showing up here in the New Testament. And it says this about her. 84 years old, she never left the temple serving night and day with fastings and prayers at that very moment, at the same moment that the Holy Spirit is bringing in old man Simeon, the Spirit is drawing Anna in as well. She never left the temple, 
serving night and day with fasting and prayer. And at the very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. What a beautiful chance meeting. The Spirit of God is drawing in Simeon. The Spirit of God is drawing in Anna. And they happen to be there at the same time that Mary and Joseph bring in the Prince of Peace wrapped up in a baby boy. One is looking for the consolation of Israel. One is looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. And it speaks again. Isaiah is just foreshadowing. Hey, it's coming. Be on the lookout. And Isaiah 52 just wraps it all together. Break forth and shout joyfully together, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted, consoled his people, and he has redeemed Jerusalem. And the question I have for us this morning is where are we looking for peace that's not working? And we could go everywhere, right? There's apps. If you are hurried and frantic, there's one called Calm, right? And you can just stare, and in 15 seconds, you can, right? You could just be at peace. Where are the places that we are going instead of looking for our peace? In Jesus. I mean, quite honestly, this year for me, for whatever reason, 2018, I'm usually a pretty good sleeper, but almost every night in this year, I fall asleep right away, like 9.30, but I've been waking up at like 2 or 3 in the morning, and I just can't shake it. And I think there, there has to be something going on. There is this anxiety, there is this worry And I want to dismiss it and say that's everybody else, but I'm telling you that that's me, and I think that that's many of you out there. And so to not let pride get in the way, what are the ways that you are not paying attention to that? What are the ways that you are maybe self-medicating, right? It could just be busyness. It could be food. It could also be drugs and alcohol. It could be sex. There's all of the different ways. We can worry that we are going to be alone for the rest of our lives. We are going to worry about our family. What's going to happen to our kids? What's going to, will my marriage ever get better? My parents are aging. What's going to happen to them? I don't know about my job situation. My finances are issue. My own health is not doing really well. And worry starts to creep in and it drowns out the voice of peace. So my hope And my prayer for us is that we would be people who would be seeking out peace. That in the same way, in the same spirit that Simeon and Anna were looking for the consolation of Israel. We're looking for redemption, to be pulled out of a situation where there's a threat. Are we today looking for peace in Jesus? Now... Hebrews gives voice to this. So Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, he will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly await him. He's coming back. 
So are we putting our hope in him? There's this Old Testament passage again. Isaiah is just hitting us over the head in this season. But he gives this vision. Isaiah chapter 2. He's saying, look, I know the situation looks and feels bleak right now. I know that you've been torn apart and torn asunder and war and you've lost people that you know and that you love. But it's not always going to be like this. And it says, they will hammer their swords into plowshares. These weapons of war will become farming equipment. And their spears into pruning hooks and nation will not lift up sword against nation and never again, never again will they learn war. He says, come house of Jacob and let us walk in the light of the Lord. And that is the longing. You look at our globe, you look at country against country and all of the buildups on all of the borders and all of the fronts and all of the weapons and will they have nuclear wars or will there be a disarmament? What will happen? In 1959, of all countries, Russia gives this peace right here to the United States, to the United Nations. In fact, this sculpture is sitting in front of the United Nations building. And this is that picture of hammering the swords into plowshares. It's actually what it's called. And this is the hope. Now, whatever you think about the United Nations, that's fine, but this is the hope that the United Nations, that we could actually be united, that there would be this thing where nations will not learn of war again. And right across the street in a park, this passage is there. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn of war anymore. This, this meant peace was put there in the 60s. And it wasn't until like 1983 where they actually credited Isaiah as the one who put it in there. But it's there. And what I'd like to say is that as the United Nations looks at this and as the rest of the people look at it, there's this hope that maybe we can all figure it out, that the nations will come together and figure it out. And I want you to know that this is right in the middle. This is a parenthesis, and we're missing a little context. The context is, and he, Prince of Peace, and he will judge between the nations and will render decisions for many people. After he's the one that does that, then they will never learn war again. And then we're missing this other piece. I, I'd like to go in there. If I was going to graffiti, this is what I would graffiti, right? <laughs> Come house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. It's my hope for you. It's amazing as you look at, there's presidents. Nixon, as he took the oath of office, he put his hand on a Bible, opened up to Isaiah chapter 2. Dwight Eisenhower, he says, after they've come through World War II, he said, we used to be able to have a nation where farmers could just make their, their tools, but all of those who were making farming equipment, they had to change everything in the war so that they could actually take those weapons or those, those tools that were used for farming and make them into weapons of war. And the heart's desire for our world and for us today is that we would have peace, but we don't want to go and try to figure this out on our own. If we do this apart from Jesus, we will not find peace. We will not find peace. And so I want to do this. I want to invite you this morning that if you struggle with worry, if you struggle with anxiety, that I want to pray a prayer 
of peace over you this morning. If you have sought for peace outside of Jesus and you've turned every other way besides going to him in your life, the the peace that he can give you is the peace from your sin. It's forgiveness from your sin in this season that you would have peace in your heart. And so it doesn't matter all of the other things that come in and through, but God wants to redeem all of that. He wants to give you that consolation. So I'm going to invite you to be brave in this moment, to be courageous in this moment. And if you struggle with that anxiety or worry, I want you to just stand right where you're at. I'm already standing, so I'm the first one, but I want to see who else will join me. And you'll stand and you'll say, you know what, this is a struggle of mine, and I need prayer for peace in my life. I need the Spirit of God to bring that peace. And I also want to challenge you that if you don't have salvation in Jesus, your Messiah, and today is the day, the offer on the table today is that how you came in, you do not have to leave the same way. That you can exchange your worry and anxiety for peace. And this is just the beginning. This takes work, friends. It takes work. So I want to pray over you this morning. Spirit of God, be generous in this place for the worry that that seems to stranglehold us, to, to pull us in all directions. God, would you bring in shalom, your peace this morning, that you would work in our hearts where it feels like they are being squeezed, where it feels like they're being crowded, not just by the worries of the world, but even in this season when we should have peace. We even shame ourselves for not having more. And if you wanted to stand just a couple minutes ago and you didn't, you could still stand because I still want to pray for you. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who came in the form of man, a baby, born in Bethlehem, would you be our peace? Would you pour out your peace on each one who's standing here and the one who wants to and can't this morning. That we would be released from that this morning, that we would walk out differently or at least a sense of hope like Dave talked about. Whatever it is we're coming from, whatever it is we're going into, that you would pour out spirit of grace, supplication, peace, that you would be our covering this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Let's worship the Prince of Peace together.